We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Top of the hour is being brought to you by DuckDuckGo, Privacy Simplified, and this hour is being brought to you by Busey Bank. Ray, let's go. Yo, Holmes! Lawrence Holmes. Holmes runs it really well. Noon to two. Holmes doing what Holmes does on Sports Radio 670 The Score. Yo, Holmes! And 670thescore.com. In Odyssey Station. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Glad that you are joining us from wherever you are. My hope is that you are at least able, if you can't get outside, that you can look outside. I went for a a little 10-miler bike ride this morning. You know, just Hyde Park to South Shore and back. I'm definitely paying for it now, allergy-wise, because I was like, oh, let me get some sun on my face instead of covering up my face. So I'm paying for it. I had to take the Benadryl earlier today there'll be a nap in my future after the show is done today but we are talking about what's going on with the white Sox. their loss last night the cubs with a a nice win out in san diego kyle hendricks was spectacular i was a little sad he didn't get a chance to finish the game but i understand it is tuesday and that means top five we give you a top five list of things that i feel are appropriate and today's top five list well, I'll let the open play first, and then we'll get into it. Five, one, two, three, four, five. Top five Tuesdays on the Lawrence Holmes Show. But since the day is Tuesday, it doesn't matter in the slightest. Top five Tuesdays. I've only seen a couple, but that's definitely top five. Is it Tuesday? Can't you ask me an intelligent question? Is this the Lawrence Holmes Show? you damn scary. Then it's Top 5 Tuesdays on the Lawrence Holmes Show. Got it? Good. I'm glad that a texter kind of figured out where I was going on this. And what I had said earlier about my top five list of fast food breakfast items is one of the things that COVID took away from us was a lot more restaurants were doing 24-hour breakfast. McDonald's in particular. And I need that brought back. Just for my own edification, I need it brought back. I get lucky occasionally, like we have a a day Cubs game or something where the show ends early. So I've got a rule. Like my rule is I usually don't eat breakfast food in between 2 p.m. and 10 p.m., which stinks because I get off the air at like 2.30 after I'm done with transition with Parkinson Spiegel. So I look forward to those days 
where maybe instead of lunch today, I'm going to have breakfast as lunch when I have those short shows. And I miss being able to roll up to McDonald's and get myself a McGriddle if that's what I'm in the mood for. There is one place, though, that I frequent that still does breakfast all day. I mean, I know the White Castle does it. I haven't. I haven't really tried White Castle breakfast. So if you're looking for an item on their list, it's not on the list. But there are others, including number five. Jack in the box, sausage, egg, and cheese croissant. Not a croissant, which that's Burger King proprietor. I love Jack in the box. When I go west, I look forward to like, A vacation day for me out west, and this works out great when I'm in the greater Phoenix-Scottsdale area, on McDowell Road in Scottsdale, just just east of Scottsdale Road, there's a jack-in-the-box that's right next to a Bosa Donuts. And I make sure that at least one of those days is you're just going to go ham. And I get the croissant sandwich from Jack in the Box. I pick up a a maple buttermilk from Bosa Donuts. And that is is living. That is living right there. And you get the, they have a good solid hash brown thing. And Jack in the Box, breakfast 24 hours. So I would do the thing where I trick myself and be like, well, it's it's one o'clock still in Chicago, you know? So I could still have myself a little something, something. Or hey, it's, It's not 2 o'clock in Phoenix yet, so I can have myself a little something-something. But the -the jack-in-the-box sausage, egg, and cheese croissant sandwich is on point. Number four. Number four is a classic. And when Burger King introduced the French toast sticks, we were like, what? Now, I remember being a kid. Over at St. Thaddeus. And occasionally what would happen with lunch. Our hot lunch would sometimes be breakfast. So you get like pancakes and sausage or French toast sticks and sausage. The French toast sticks is a game changer. Because really, really what it is. Ray, drop the music real quick. Really what it is is a beignet. Let's keep it a buck. It's really a beignet. It's not quite French toast. It's kind of a beignet without sugar on top of it. And then you get the the syrup. Man, it's a great thing. I know this is near and dear to your heart, Ray. The the number four, the the French toast sticks from Burger King. It's, It's an item I remember as a kid. And then as a teenager, it was my first job. It was Burger King. So I was always making myself some French toast sticks. And then... Years later, when I decided I'm not eating meat anymore, I'm going vegan. It was one of the few items I could still get at Burger King. So, you know, this is still one of my favorite things. Now I'm vegetarian, whatever. I have more more options. Still no meat, but I still love the BK French Toast Sticks. I think it's a good call. Number three. If you have been reluctant to try the breakfast menu at Wendy's you should not be reluctant let me tell you something about Wendy's breakfast their biscuits are amazing 
And I think they do like a maple glaze on one of them too. But their breakfast biscuit, whatever you want on it, if you're a bacon or a sausage guy, it's so great because it's a big old biscuit. And the sausage patty on it is equal to the size of the biscuit. People are sleeping on Wendy's breakfast, y'all. Like, I don't know if you have the chance to do it before work or if it needs to be a weekend thing for you, but I'm telling you, they got some quality items. And what I love about it is that they haven't at least yet dealt with shrinkflation. You ever notice how when you go get a candy bar, the candy bars are smaller and you think, oh, well, I'm an adult now. So obviously the Snickers bar looks smaller. No, they shrink this stuff as it stands for right now. Wendy's is giving you the real, real on the, on the biscuits and the sausage biscuits. They haven't done the shrinkflation yet. It is worth your time. I would say, go check it out the next time that breakfast is available to you in that manner. Number two, it's a side item, but I think it's the best side item. The hash browns at Burger King, fam. They have the right, they have the, the right ratio of crispy and potatoy. It's not too big. They're always good. Some of the other places, like you, if you get a great hash brown, like you're happy, but it's more than likely you're gonna get kind of a uh, hash brown. Burger King, it seems like they drop them fresh all the time, and you get the good crunch, plus you get the potatoey feel. It is, it is a, it was vying for the number one spot. I'm not gonna lie. It was vying for the number one spot, but it wasn't number one because this was number one. Come on, man, you gotta go with the OG here. The McDonald's sausage biscuit is undefeated. It's undefeated. You, you, If we rolled up deep, like as a show, if you, if I was driving a bus and I was like, yo, we can't get everything at McDonald's for breakfast, but they going to supply the whole bus with sausage biscuits outside of of my vegetarian and vegan brothers and sisters, the whole bus would be like, oh, hell yeah. Yeah, let's go. Let's pass these biscuits around. Get you one of those little things, a grape strawberry jelly, and you be in the house. If I topped that off with an OJ, you'd be like, man, this is the best day ever. You can't beat it. If someone offered it to you, you'd be like, yeah, man. Buttery biscuit, perfectly done sausage. You in the house. So that's my list. If you don't like my list, make your own damn list. That's top five for today. Let me get back on the White Sox and let's go inside their their clubhouse yesterday after what was an awful awful loss to the Guardians. Here's what manager Tony La Russa had to say about what went wrong and whether yesterday's game is just one game or if it's a trend. No, man, it's a brutal loss. You give up six runs like that in the last and a couple of chances to win offensively. It's a tough loss. It's tough as uh, you're going to have. The uh, defense obviously was you know, a visible issue during that losing stretch, and you guys had it kind of popped up again tonight. What did you see from, from your infield there? Well, the one ball hopped up on Mankata, which was the other one you didn't like. There was a, an error on, on Tim there in the ninth. Huh? There was an error on Tim. In the oh, thing, yeah. missed a, when he tried to throw something? Nothing went. You missed a relay catch. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, 
We didn't lose that game because of our defense. I mean, it's, it's, I, I disagree with that, and I don't. He came on. So, I mean, it, it, and they didn't have the cleanest game either, right? So, it's a tough, brutal loss for the home team. The guys that didn't pitch were not available. So, I'll say you haven't asked. Uh, when you tonight, the bullpen was obviously very good in that 16th street to protect, you know, small leagues. What did you see? Well, I mean, it was. Well, we got him out in the seventh, didn't we? We got him out in the eighth. We go six to the ninth. I mean, you know, to, uh, to Banks is. Uh, I mean, he hadn't pitched in a long time. And, you know, once you get the other team started, you know, a couple of walks that in, you know, was, when you have a big lead was not what they were trying, we were trying to do, but. I mean, I mean, you can't look at that eighth, ninth inning and forget that in the seventh and eighth, we got six outs to keep it a game. And then the tenth, you know, Lopez kept their one run. So, and Burr was almost out of it. So, I mean, it's not that easy. RBI double. It's a tough situation for Liam. Of, you know, he's getting up and save, hit the big three-run homer, and he sits down because, and then he has to get back up again. So, it's a, a bit of a challenge for a closer. What do you mean when you had to sit down? What do you mean? Well, he was warming up in the bottom of the eighth. AJ Pollock gets the three on home, you're up by six, and he, he sat back down because you don't think you're going to Yeah, I mean, but he, he's ready to come in, but he, he you know, he, he got ready, but he didn't have to pitch, so, you know, it's, uh, you know, you bring him a time around on deck, there's not much room for uh, for an error there, and give their his credit. I don't know if this is asked of you, but put the go-ahead around at third, but walking Naylor with what he had done his last at-bat and going after Clement there with uh, Ryan? Well, <coughs> I just think about it. Uh, doesn't look very good right now. But, you know, we were going to pitch him tough. Made a mistake. <coughs> okay, I, I hope TLR is okay, and I hope that he's feeling better. There are some things in there that I don't understand. Your bullpen collapsed in the ninth inning. And it's okay to say that. And beyond, in in extras as well. They don't get partial credit for getting out of the seventh. Like, what are we doing here? Because in the eighth inning, they gave up a run. So he's really telling you that the only thing that you should judge on the White Sox game from their bullpen is that in the seventh inning, they didn't give up a run. The bullpen gave up 11 runs. What are we doing? From the eighth inning, one in the eighth, six in the ninth, one in the tenth, and then three in the eleventh. 12 runs. I can't add. 12 runs. So I, I'm not sure. No, it is 11 because Kopech gave up one run, but it was unearned. I'm not sure what Tony's trying to tell me here. I'm really not. Like, I'm confused. And he didn't understand what the question was when it wasn't just the throw that Tim made. It was him allowing a base runner to advance because of not catching a cutoff throw. There's a lot here, man. Like that. And you just wonder, like, are you, 
Are you paying attention? Yes, Liam got up twice. And that's probably bad. And the idea of, well, it's not easy. It's not easy. He's correct. Relatively speaking, to those of us who don't play baseball, it it would not be easy for us to hold a six-run lead in the ninth. He's correct. But it happens so rarely that a team comes back and wins that the White Sox win probability was almost 100%. Do you realize that the White Sox had the last strike twice in yesterday's game? They were down to one strike twice, and they still lost. That does not instill any confidence at all in me. Let's go to Keith out in Mokina. Hey, Keith, you're on the score. Hey, Warren. It's a great show. Love to listen to you, by the way. Um, this is all on La Russa, and that just summed it up, and I'm losing my mind right now. You know, last night, and I understand 99.5% you got a chance to close out the game. You're up 8-2. He gets Hendricks up, and they hit the 3 on home run. I get it. Most of the time, I'd say sit down. But what happened, you got swept by the Guardians on your road trip. You got swept by the Twins on your road trip. Now, you win six in a row. You got your shiny new toys last night. You got Joe Kelly. You got Yohan Makata. And you got a new reborn Hendricks three weeks ago. You put the hammer down last night. You get him up right out of his routine, and I don't care if it's eight to two, you close them out and you walk off and you say, we're back. I'm not sure I agree with you. I don't think that as much as I would love to rail on Tony for mismanaging the game, I I don't think that he mismanaged that part of it. I understand what you're saying. If he's up, then... He come, is that a Cardi B line? If it's up, then it's up, then it's up. Then you, you bring them in to pitch. I think they would have preferred, like, you know what, Liam? We don't need you today, fam. It has been a little interesting to see how Kendall Graveman has been used or should say it's not been used. I thought that that, that part of it was fine. But you can't act like the extra outs that you gave them didn't play into your decisions. Don't tell me that the errors didn't lose you the game. It changed the way that you manage the game. So it clearly had an impact on, on what you were deciding to do. Let's go out to Mike. who's in uh, Mondota. Hey, Mike, you're on the score. Hi, Lawrence. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. What's um, on your mind? I appreciate you drilling down on this topic of LaRusso's relationship with this team and his influence on whether he's worth a few wins or a few losses. But I, I think of an old cliche, if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. And I think Tony's part of the problem, big time part of the problem. In his post-game press conference, he insisted that defense did not cost them the game. I hope he remembers that pitching is part of defense. And if he doesn't think defensive fielding and pitching cost them the game, then what could have possibly attributed to that loss? And I want to know what you think 
he thinks cost them the game. Well, especially when it's not like we couldn't identify. This wasn't one of those games where maybe guys made defensive mistakes, but they weren't charged with errors. The White Sox had four errors. This was far from a clean game, and there was actual impact. We have to start thinking of things. We have to understand that the cause and effect of some of this stuff goes deeper than there's an error and then something bad happened and that's what it, it's cumulative. You end up not being able to pitch Michael Kopech longer because why? An inning got extended because his right fielder didn't catch a ball hit right at him. Because of errors in the ninth inning, an inning got extended, which meant that you did have to go from not wanting your closer to have to pitch to then having to go out there. It's extra pitches on banks. And you end up in a situation where you've got to pull him out of the game. You do end up with an injury with Lopez. But I, we can't act like th- these things didn't happen. And for him to, one, not be able to identify them, not understanding that the errors that are being talked about played a role in why your team lost is 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 really, really questionable. It makes it seem super questionable. On do you have a grasp of the game that you were managing? How can you not say, how can you say that it didn't have an impact when it's the whole reason? 99.7% of the reason that Liam Hendricks had to pitch last night because you got ineffective bullpen work and bad defense behind it. They led the game 8-2 to two going into the ninth inning. They were down to their last strike twice. All of that stuff adds up. And it added up to a loss, unfortunately, for the White Sox last night. They got another shot today. I'm looking forward to seeing how they bounce back. It'd be nice if this team started to win games inside of the American League Central. Because guess what? Right now, they're 3-10 and against the American League Central. It's why they find themselves behind in the standings. Even in the second week of May. There's no one here that thought that that would be the case for the White Sox. Even the it's early crowd didn't think that they'd be watching the worst defensive team be behind in the standings in this division. Back after this in the score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, 
the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Lawrence Holmes, noon to two on Sports Radio 670, The Score. Uh, the Kupo jump stop. Got it. Checked it up on the green. Ime Udoka wants a timeout. Third quarter belongs to the Greek Freak. 18 seconds left. Down by three. Jones for Jackson. Jackson is blocked by Drake. 10 seconds left. Jackson forced a foul. Curry. Draymond Green. Highlights courtesy of TNT. I think that the playoffs overall have been super entertaining, and I'm going to talk about them with Brandon Scoop B. Robinson, NBA insider over at Bally Sports. You can check out what he's doing over at Spotify as well. ScoopB.com joins me on the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline. Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Brandon Scoop B. Robinson is now here on the score. What's up, sir? My brother, I'm doing good. How are you? Man, I'm doing great. I'm enjoying watching the basketball even though uh, the team that I've, uh, I've, I've, I'm now supporting with the Bulls out of the playoffs is Memphis. I, I want to talk about the playoffs in a second, but I want to ask you a couple of Bulls questions, if you don't mind. First of all, what do you think happens with Zach Levine? Do you see him being back with the Bulls for a long time, or do you think that there might be other suitors out there that might be a better place for him and a place that he might want to go? Well, if you talk to LA, he's there, but that that that's in an ideal and a non-ideal and perfect world in Chicago. Hold your horses. I'm not saying he's going to the Lakers, but what I am saying to you is this: um, I think that the Bulls have shown um, that they are dedicated to making him happy, and this goes back to maybe a summer or two ago, uh, where uh, folks that I've spoken with close to him have shared that if the Bulls do what they need to do, he will stay. Um, now. There are things that have changed over the last couple of years. Number one is representation. He is now represented by Clutch. Um, you see that he is growing a profile, doing commercials. You see that he signed a deal with New Balance. Um, and I can tell you that Zach does have a desire um, to, to grow a bigger profile, um, specifically as it relates to the commercial front, um, as it relates to um, his ability to relate to today's consumer. And I think that this season he's done a good job of um, kind of um, elevating that. You've seen that even with Mountain Dew. Um, if you ask me today, do I think Zach is going to stay in Chicago? I say yes. Um, and I say yes because I think that I, you know, you're, you're a college professor, Lawrence. You know that sometimes a student wants to get a grade of an incomplete so he can finish up his work. The Bulls definitely got an incomplete, in my opinion. I think it was great. I think they had the they had the chance to get a B plus or a B minus, um, but injuries definitely curtailed some of their their hopes this season. But I do think that the Eastern Conference is open enough that he can do something. Sometimes you go other places to shine, 
that's not that's not your place. You hang where you're celebrated, not where you tolerated. Chicago definitely celebrates them. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting too with Zach in particular. Obviously, when he became a free agent, a couple players even got at him on Twitter with putting him in different uniforms. And then there's the report about Portland, which felt a little leaky to me uh, that that Portland might be a place that he wants to go. The LA thing is interesting. Obviously, there are ties for him because of UCLA, but can they even get out of the cap hell that they're in to bring in a guy like Zach Levine? Um, This is what I will tell you. I spoke with someone tied to the Lakers thinking. Um, There's a level of frustration on many fronts. Um, Number one, there is a belief from what I'm told um, that Anthony Davis was very frustrated uh, with the move um, that brought uh, Russell Westbrook uh, to the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, I've spoken to uh, a, a fixture within the Lakers organization, you know, who has shared with me that they are not too keen on Rob Palenka's movement. Uh, and I, and I'll, I'll give you the edited version. Um, they said, they said Rob Palenka's full of it and they're frustrated with the movements that are making. There are people within that organization that are frustrated with the moves um, specifically with Frank Vogel leaving. And um, there are people who feel like Anthony Davis is not going to stay. So then people start talking those conversations about, will he stay in L.A. long term? Will he go to the Bulls and some of those other things? I think any person who plays alongside LeBron James, and this is kind of an answer to your question about Zach Levine, particularly guys like Chris Bosh, guys like Kevin Love, guys like Anthony Davis, they turn from big men to spot-up jumpers, jump shooters. And I, as much as I like Zach, and you know that I know Zach just like I know Kyrie Irving well, um, what I will say to you is um, at times during the season, I feel like he fell in love with his jumper. Um, but I also think he's used to being the man in Chicago and overly used. And I think even when he was hurt, he still kept playing, which is admirable. But you have to start thinking of the long term. Um, and I think that's what Zach is beginning to do now that he has different representation, now that um, the Bulls are an attractive destination. Um, but I, you do remember that Zach was a restricted free agent, did sign with the Sacramento Kings, and the Bulls matched it. There was a relationship that the Bulls and Zach had to grow at a point when the Bulls weren't as attractive now that they were three or four years ago. All right. So it's something it's interesting. Yeah, it's it's something to keep an eye on to see if if that follows suit and you can connect a lot of dots of well, Anthony Davis is from Chicago, and then you you know what I mean? Like it, it's I it, that's some of the intrigue of the NBA offseason. It's a lot of fun. I expect that the Bulls will probably bring him back, but I wonder. I do wonder about this, and you bring up a, a great point about the idea of going where you're celebrated and not tolerated. Mm-hmm. And they've treated him well, and I feel like their relationship is strong, especially now that Jim Boylan is not the head coach anymore. But I, I do wonder if Zach looks and goes, man, there might be opportunities that I'm not even thinking of that I can match up with my basketball career. And that's the part that gets interesting. And I can tell you that uh, without naming names, there are folks that I've spoken to really going back to like the summer and fall when he made his transition from different representation that felt like, Zach was focused on he, his brand, his look, and more. You mean, you, you know, the Bulls, on the side of the Bulls organization, they definitely architect um, a great heist in keeping Kobe White, 
not trading Kobe to the Pelicans for Lonzo Ball. They have a look. And I feel like they have definitely latched on to clutch in the same way that the Lakers and clutch latched on to each other. And I also feel like any LeBron James um, formula lasts three to four years. So that whole Lakers thing gets interesting because I, I just think that Zach Levine going to the Lakers doesn't make them a better team automatically. It doesn't make them a championship team automatically. If Zach is looking to be seen, he stays in Chicago because you have Lonzo Ball. Heck, you still got – if they decide to keep Tristan Thompson, you got that spectacle there. But from a basketball standpoint, he has to find the balance of basketball, lifestyle, and uh, a, a, a team where he, he's going to be seen around Father's Day on television. Um, I, I think if you stick it out with the Bulls, a young team, you're competing with the Brooklyn's, you're competing with the Miami Heat, you're competing with the Milwaukee Bucks. I do think Chicago would be the best fit. In watching the playoffs so far, what's been the most interesting part of it for you? From watching it, probably they're no longer um, playing, but the, the resiliency of the New Orleans Pelicans to get as far as they got. And to be honest with you, gave the Suns a run for their money, which is why I think the last two games Dallas has picked apart Phoenix and has kind of shown the cheat code of how Phoenix can be beat. I've enjoyed watching Jason Kidd. I've enjoyed watching the Dallas Mavericks uh, with a bunch of guys who are solid role players. Dorian Finney-Smith played his butt off the last game. Luka Doncic as well as, um, you know, Cleaver have come alive. Um, I, I really think that this is a chess match between the Mavs and the Phoenix Suns, and I'm looking forward to tonight's game. I look at the series between Golden State and Memphis, and I'm sure at this point, especially after last night, Memphis is going, what could have been? They've done well without Ja. They're now 20-6 and six without Ja, but they had that game for a big portion of it. Why have we seen Memphis be so good without Ja, considering he's one of the more exciting players in this game? Draymond Green said this to me about a month ago. He said, when you look at a team like Memphis, there, there are dumb teams and then there are smart teams. Or it, it, He was relating it specifically to young teams. So he said there's dumb young teams and there's smart young teams. And he put Memphis in the smart young team category because they may make mistakes, but they keep going. Um, I think John Moran is wise beyond his years because of, great parenting, and the fact that everybody was on the Zion Williamson bandwagon. And his father told me that that motivated him. Um, he told me long-term, John Morant was going to be the better player than Zion Williamson, and you're seeing now why. Um, but that's not translating to the series that's currently Golden State and Memphis. I will tell you that there are two things that changed the trajectory of last night's game. Number one, I believe Steph Curry flopped in the fourth quarter. Uh-huh. Number two, that shot that Jaron Jackson took at the end, oh, awful. I'm not a fan of it. Awful shot. But, but they'll credit Draymond's defense. I think the Warriors are a good team, but I also think like the Phoenix Suns where I talked about the Pelicans going toe-to-toe with them, I believe that Memphis is playing unafraid, and they're going after them. Um, and, and they had experience in the regular season playing without John Morant. It carried over to the playoffs. They just didn't get the win last night. How do you describe what we're seeing from Giannis in these playoffs? 
I think Giannis is at a point in his career that Michael was in his second stint in Chicago, and uh, LeBron was uh, in Cleveland where Derrick Rose got rookie of the – or excuse me, Derrick Rose got MVP. I think Giannis is at a point where this season, for as many people that thought Jokic or Joel Embiid should have been the MVP, quietly Giannis had an MVP-type season. But the difference between Jokic and the difference, as well as Joel Embiid is, Giannis has a quiet supporting cast. Uh, Chris Middleton, when he's healthy, clicks on all cylinders. Drew Holiday clicks on all cylinders. And then you got help. You got the Bobby Portis, a Chicago Bulls beloved faithful, um, now a member of, of, of the Bucks. Uh, I like Giannis. I also like the Boston Celtics' defense. And um, I, I really think that this series – um, is a testament to Milwaukee showing people we weren't just a fluke. We are here to stay. They just got to finish what they started, man. And uh, Boston, to me, is that good. Um, I, I always felt that they needed a third cog. It happened to be Al Horford last night. I don't know that that's going to continue moving forward. But you know that in order for Boston to beat Milwaukee, Tatum has to be on his A game. Jalen Brown's got to be on it, on their A game. Uh, and, and they got to finish what they started. But I'm definitely enjoying seeing Milwaukee do what they do and enjoying seeing Brooke Lopez uh, really uh, dominate when, when, when they call this number. Scoop B, as always, man, I enjoy when we get a chance to chop it up. Keep doing great stuff over at Bally's. Brother, thank you for the opportunity to be myself and, and share me with your listeners. That's what it's all about. That is Brandon Scoop B. Robinson. Glad to talk a little NBA with him. When we come back, I, I want to – do something that I think some people will probably find sacrilegious. I want to talk about the GOAT and his next job. I'll do that next here on The Score. Lawrence Holmes, noon to two on Sports Radio 670 The Score. The score. And 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. Did you hear the news? Tom Brady is going to join Fox after his football career is over, which I imagine will be next at the end of next season, Andrew Marchand is reporting that the deal is worth 10 years and $375 million or something crazy like that. I'm all for everyone getting their bread. Get your money where you can. And it looks like Tom was trying to get that ownership money. And then Brian Flores' uh, lawsuit got in the way of him getting that bread. So he pivots to a place where there seems to be a lot of money for a particular group of people. What I think is interesting about it is we don't know if Tom Brady's good at this. And I know that saying Tom Brady isn't good at something is um, sacrilegious, but Tony Romo didn't come out of the shoot making that money. He earned that money after people were like, you know who's really good at doing color commentary on football? Tony Romo. He's really good at it. And then he gets the crazy deal that's worth $18 million a year where you have him making more money as an analyst than he will have made as a quarterback, which is kind of crazy. But in times where I've seen Tom Brady interviewed or heard him I've never thought that a lot of what he had to say was particularly prescient. Now, that could be because he's been holding back this entire time. And 
when he's done playing, he'll feel free to do that. But from everything we know about how Tom Brady presents himself, I'm not sure that's going to be the case. And I wonder if there will be some buyer's remorse from Fox at the end of it. But then again, they could just produce stuff and slap Tom Brady's name on it and people are going to consume it. So what do I know? I'll talk with Parkins and Spiegel next here on The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.